Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Psalm 62. I was going to preach another message, this, and I'll just be honest. My heart got stirred this morning in worship and, and Pastor Ben, which if you, didn't, if, you, if you weren't here this morning, make sure you get those messages. Uh, they'll be on the podcast on Tuesday, but please make sure you do. And um, I, had a, I studied and had everything laid out. I was going to preach a message called, Kiss Your Brass Goodbye. <laughs> I said that was with a B, too, just to make sure. But my heart got stirred in worship this morning. And it, to be honest, it just reveals some things in my own heart that, that I've been a little weary in the waiting and didn't realize it. And so I'm going to talk to you from this subject. He's in the waiting. I went to the office and I started pulling notes together and writing down stuff. And so we're going to go with it. Are you ready? Psalm 62, beginning at verse one. This is David speaking. He said, truly, my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock. Notice that he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Look at, um, but jump down to verse five for time's sake. My soul waits silently for God alone. For my expectation, there it is, Pastor Ben, is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him. Listen what he says. At all times, you people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. This psalm here is penned by David, who was a psalmist. And what's so awesome about David is if you study and you, you, you check out different historical facts, this term waiting actually is used more by David in the Psalms than any other book in the Bible. If you read a lot of the Psalms about David, you will hear him crying out over and over and over again about waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on you, God. I'm waiting on the Lord to move. He had this theme that, 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 that kind of carried in the Psalms. And if you look at the life of David, he knew a little something about waiting. The Bible tells us that it was 15 years from the time he was anointed by Saul till he became uh, king of Judah. He was anointed one day and God said, you're going to be a king. You're going to do a great work. I've anointed you. I found me a man after my own heart. Poured, Poured oil over him. He was anointed. But the Bible said it was 15 years before he became king of Judah. And even after that, it was seven more years, the scripture said, before he became king of Israel. So 22 years had passed before he stepped into the totality of what God had anointed and called him to do. I think David knew a little something about waiting. And when you look at his life, you'll understand that during that time, he went through struggles. 
He went through oppositions. He went through hard times. He running from Saul, Saul throwing spears and everything. He had gone from cave to cave and wilderness to wilderness. But David understood that he had a promise from God. I remember the scripture said that one time that the God even sent Jonathan. David had got in a low spot and he was struggling. But I love what the scripture said that Jonathan went to him in the wilderness. And the Bible said, and he encouraged him in the things of the Lord. And the way he encouraged him, the first thing he said, now you know you're anointed king. He, before he said anything, the first thing that he reminded David is don't forget the promise that God gave you. Don't forget that you're anointed king. I know my daddy's acting a fool and going, but the first thing I want to bring afresh, don't forget who you are and don't forget what God has promised you. <laughs> Understand that this delay of David becoming Israel's king is not unusual, but it's a typical way that God brings about his promises and purposes. Understand that throughout the Bible, you can find God promising things to many others. But there was a waiting period that, that preceded it. What do you mean? God promised Abraham and Sarah a child, but they had to wait 25 years. Joseph, as I said early, waited 13 years for the fulfillment of his dream. God made Jacob wait 14 years to get, a, get the wife he wanted. God made Jacob wait 14 years to get the wife he wanted. We get a good smile and we're ready to get married. The Israelites had to wait 430 years in Egypt before returning to the promised land. I want to tell you there's been one more wait. That's for all the saints of God. We've been waiting over 2,000 years for the return of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, waiting is a part of God's plan in our lives. Waiting is a part of the divine design of things. Waiting is no accident. Waiting is often planned in purpose. The truth be told, none of us like to wait. I love what Pastor Franklin says. He said, we are a microwave, microwave generation, but we serve a crock pot God. We want things fast. We want things quick. We want things now. I wrote it down. We got fast track. We got fast pass at Disney. We want the fastest internet service. We want fast food, fast, fast, fast. But here's a, good, here's a good scripture for you. Hebrews 6 and 12, it says that you not become sluggish or lazy, but imitate those, listen to this, who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Oh, I love faith. But notice what it said, through faith and patience inherit the promise. So we we got to have faith and believe and you're part of a church that believes and teaches. You got to have faith. But this other part here says it's through faith and patience. Faith for it and patience to, to endure, to grab a hold on to it. Faith and patience, the scripture said. I thought about waiting. Um, I was thinking about the whole fast food deal. Um, you know, most fast food places, if you go to them, um, 
especially I, I think McDonald's may have started this trend with all the, the different number ones, number twos, number threes, number four, and they adopt it. But if you think of the mindset behind that, if you go up to the window and order a number one, they know exactly what it is. It's all already a pre-packaged, preset kind of meal. They know number one with a blah, 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 and you just go on, and it's fast, fast, fast. And you know what? It never fails that if you go to a place that's like programmed like that, the minute you ask for something that's out of that little package mindset deal, it creates all kind of problems and frustration. It, it happened to us the other night. I, 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 oh, I, I'm not going to say where I was, and I hope nobody that, but, but I, I repeated myself several times, like, like, and I said it over and over, probably because I've had a history of it, and then I saw it printed out at the screen. Paid for it, went and took my son his food, and he said, Daddy, look, it's got all this stuff on it. And I stayed saved in that moment, but I got a little bit irritated because, and I looked at the receipt, it's, I was like, how in the world? It was on the screen, I repeated it, it's on the receipt, and it's still, but it tells me, you know what, they're so busy, like in the package moment, if you say this right here, this is what it is, this is what, you get it. And then I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. I have my amazing wife. And this is good. Y'all dog me out about that last one. But, um, you know, she goes to Chick-fil-A. And Chick-fil-A has, I believe, in my personal opinion, some of the greatest uh, uh, customer service. And the reason why, I don't know if you know this, the reason why Chick-fil-A today has uh, milkshakes, it's not because it was a part of the original deal. They actually had a customer who wanted a milkshake and an employee went to a, a store that was right behind them. They didn't even have it. Went and got the ingredients and made them a milkshake on the spot. They didn't even carry it on their menu. And from that point, they started carrying it. That's a true story. Because their heart was so to have good customer service. And so, you know, my wife has special order when she goes to Chick-fil-A. And, um, and, and, and once again, if you order anything, I want my fries extra well done and my nuggets fried well. Now, that's not a normal thing. You're supposed to go up and say, I need a number four, eight count or 12 count with a sweet tea or whatever to drink. And you keep rolling. Because I know this is that when you order out of the ordinary or order something extraordinary, when you get up to the window, after you have paid for it, they look at you and say, Mr. Ruff, if you could, could you please pull up to the front and park over in the space and, and we'll bring it out in the, in, in the moment. In other words, can you pull up there and wait on your order? Now, one of the things that often gets me is as I'm sitting there, I'm cool at first. But when I see one car and two cars that was behind me, eight cars are gone and I'm still waiting. I start getting a little frustrated. But then when the woman or, or man comes out and delivers my package and it's hot, it's fresh, and it's exactly the way that I ordered I forget about how long I waited because now I got what I was waiting for. And my point is this. 
See, we believe in asking God for some extraordinary thing. We believe in asking God, not for what everybody's ordering in their prayer life, but we believe a God, like Kelly said, that will do exceedingly and abundantly. And when you start asking for extraordinary things, you might have to pull over and wait because your order is not like everybody else order. You have an order that is exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. It's not that God has forgotten, but could it be that you've ordered up some stuff in heaven that nobody else is going to get, nobody else is going to have, but it's specifically coming to you. And I guarantee you when it comes, it's coming hot, it's coming fresh, and it's come ready, specially delivered to you. It's worth the wait sometimes. Satan often attacks us by trying to capitalize on what I call divine delays. What he does is try to convince us that delays are denials. In times of waiting, he wants us to, I wrote this down, doubt the promises of God. He wants us to act independently of God. He wants us to raise doubts about his goodness. He, wants, he works at promoting us to distrust God and disobey God and follow our own judgment, or even in those moments, get us to compromise and begin to work means in our own strength and ability to bring about what he only can bring about. That's how you got an Ishmael instead of an Isaac trying to do in the flesh See, when it's a supernatural promise, we've, we've been taught this, it takes a supernatural power to bring it to pass. Come on, come on, anybody here? Abraham, Sarah, Ishmael, you, they couldn't wait for it, happen, for it to happen supernaturally, but they, had to, they tried to fulfill it, doing it fleshly, and, the, and today we're still reaping the, come on, repercussions of a flesh decision that couldn't wait for God to perform it supernaturally. Don't settle for an Ishmael when God has promised you an Isaac. It may take two years. It may take three years. Come on, single man. Come on, single woman. Don't settle for less than what God has. Don't try to make happen in the flesh what God can only do in the spirit. Isaiah, listen to this, 64 says this. For since the world began, I love this, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you. Listen to this. Who works for those who wait for him. Woo! I, I don't know if you, see that, that let lit up. I never saw that scripture. I, I, but did you hear what I just said? For since the world began, no ear has heard no, I has seen a God like you. And listen what he says. Who works for those who wait for him. I wrote it real big. I need to announce to somebody that God is working while you're waiting. He said, I've since the beginning, this is my heart. This is my character. This is my desire. While you're waiting, I'm not sitting in heaven twiddling my thumbs. While you're waiting, God is working. We serve a God that knows how to work behind the scenes. It may look like nothing's happening. It may not look like anything's transpiring. But I'm telling you, God is orchestrating things 
things. He's working things out, putting things together. He's adding. He's taking back. He's setting up. He's bringing down. Don't you get discouraged because you don't see it in the natural yet. But I'm here to declare, keep walking by faith and not by sight and know your God is working on your behalf. As you wait, he's working. As you wait, he's moving. As you wait, he's orchestrating. As you wait, miracles will come. If you believe it, give him a shout of praise and I'll move on. My God's working. And the Bible said, oh my God, the God we serve never sleeps nor slumber. He works all around the clock while you're sleeping, while you're dead and knocked out. God says, I'm working the midnight shift. I'm working the wee hours of the morning. Come on, do you believe that? While you're waiting, God is working. While you're waiting on that lost loved one, God is working. While you're waiting, he's working. I've learned sometimes that that you're believing God for somebody to come, a family member, or somebody to come to the Lord or come back to the Lord. Sometimes it, it seems like the more you pray, the worse they get. But you know what I believe? It, it may be an indication that the reason why the worse is getting, hell is putting up his biggest fight because they're on the brink of coming. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. That hell is unleashing everything that it possibly can. That's why it's getting worse because it's a matter of time. Come on. Does anybody have any faith in here? So when it starts happening worse, I start praying more. When things get bad, I start praising greater because I know it's a matter of time before breakthrough comes. Scripture says this. Job said, all the days of my hard service, I will wait till my change comes. All the days of my hard service, I will wait till my change comes. You know, that was a statement of faith. Did you hear what I just said? It was, he wasn't, oh, no, no, no. That was with boldness. That was with courage. He said, all the days, I love this. He said, he said, all the days of my heart, sir, I will wait, watch this, till my change comes. You know what he was saying? He said, I know that my change is in route. God Almighty. He said, till my change comes. You ever tracked a package? Order something? And you, and, you know, they give you the thing to track it, and you can track it, and it starts giving you updates. I do that uh, when I order stuff sometimes. Um, sometimes. <laughs> and, and I get these notifications on my phone, and it says, it, it left here, 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 it left here. And see, the, to see, the thing is, the moment I paid for that thing, and I got that tracking it's, it, it builds my, even though I don't have it in my hand, good God Almighty, the tracking lets me know that it's on the way because when it was purchased on Calvary, he gave us a whole, that's why we have the book of numbers, it's tracking numbers. Anyway, we have the whole word of God 
that says it's the tracking that lets us know that it's oh and Job said I know it's hell right now I know I lost family members and I know I lost my job and I lost my health and I lost my wealth but I'm holding on because it's a matter of time my change is on the way somebody need to declare that tonight that my change is on I'm gonna hold on to my change is coming When you're in the wait, you got to be willing to submit to the ministry of monotony. That's what I called it. Monotonous. It can get monotonous. Praying, fasting, reading, worshiping, praying, serving, giving, over and over. And over and over and over and over again. Nothing's changed. Nothing's transpired. Keep praying. Keep fasting. Keep praising. Keep worshiping. Keep sowing. Keep giving. Keep loving. Keep being kind. Keep, come on. Keep speaking words of faith. Keep thinking thoughts of faith. Keep taking actions of faith. Nothing's changed. Seemingly. I thought about monotony because, see, monotony is the posture of the clay on the potter's wheel. Good God. See, that clay on the potter's wheel has to rotate. In a circle, it keeps going around and around and around and around and around and around and around. See, to the clay, it's monotony. But to the potter's hands, it's molding. See, sometimes in the wait, when you just seem like you're going and sir, do it, 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 it's, listen, listen, it, it, it's doing more than you think. Because to us, the clay pots, the vessels... It seems like monotony, but God is saying it's not monotony because you're in the position to be molded during this time. I got my hands on you. Remember, I'm in the waiting, so my hands are on you the whole time. And while you keep praying, I'm molding stuff. I'm shaping stuff. I'm working out cracks. I'm dealing with insecurity. I'm dealing with heart issues. I'm getting rid of bitterness. I'm getting rid of anger. I'm getting rid of, I'm molding stuff. Oh, there's a crack there. Let me fix it. Oh, there's a hole there. Let me fix it because what we got to understand sometimes, uh, sometimes God, well, you got to understand the work he does in us while we wait is more important than what we are waiting for. He, oh, come on, because he said, when I do bring it, I got to make sure my vessel don't have cracks and holes. So when I pour it out on you, you can be able to contain it. He's not trying to keep it from you. He's building a capacity so you can keep it when it pours. Listen to what listen to what this says. First Corinthians 15. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the word of the Lord. Listen to this, amplify. Always doing your best and doing more that's needed. 
being continually aware that your labor, listen to this, even to the point of exhaustion in the Lord is not futile nor wasted. It is never without purpose. <sighs> it's never without purpose. When you come in here and worship, it's never without purpose. When you open up that book, it's never without purpose. When you get on your knees and cry out to God, it's never without purpose. When you lift your hand, I know there's times that you don't feel like it. There's times that it takes everything to do it, but do it anyway. Don't do it. Do it because you feel like it. Do it because we're supposed to. And even in that moment, you need to understand that God is worth. It's never in vain. Your giving is not in vain. You're, come on, some of you, you done forgot about what you fasted for in January. You done forgot about that fasting list. But we're over in August right now, and I want to tell you that what he told you in January, it still will come to pass. It hadn't been in vain. Your fasting was not in vain. Your giving was not in vain. The seed you sowed, believing for a great harvest, it has not been in vain. the ministry of monotony three things I'm going to get out of your way so what do I have to do Javon while I'm in the waiting number one keep your head keep your head don't lose your mind keep your head on straight Isaiah 26 3 says you will keep him in perfect peace Whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. One of the things that comes in the wait, and Philippians tells us, is anxiety and worry. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. The Bible said, pray, supplicate. Give thanksgiving. And he said, listen, listen. Don't worry about anything, but pray for all things. Because what happens is, when you're waiting, anxiety wants to kick in. Worry wants to come. Get in my mind, will it happen? I don't know if it'll happen. I don't know if it'll happen. Uh, I've been waiting. I've been, I've, I've been waiting. I've been, but let, 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 me, let me just give you some insight on this right here really, really quick. In the Bible, perspective, I'm going to give you some perspective about different words. Trust is used 134 times. Faith is used 247 times. Belief is used 143 times. Love, 311 times. Worry is translated 13 times. Out of the 13 times, 11 of the 13 we are told not to worry. One out of the two remaining asks, why do you worry? <laughs> and the other one says, tomorrow will worry about itself. One writer says, worries are like, a rock, are like rocking chairs. They give you something to do, but they get you nowhere. All that motion and all that, that, that movement, but you're still in the same place. There's two types of worry. Things that you can do something about 
and things that, that we can't do anything about. But you have to be what Paul, what I like Peter says, is knowing in 1 Peter 5 and 7 that we have to cast our cares upon him because he cared for us. What are you carrying that you should be casting? There's things that you shouldn't be carrying, but you should be casting. Because he cares about you. He cares about your family. Listen, let me just go. God cares about your family more than you care about your family. He cares about your wife more than you care about your wife. He cares about your husband more than you care about your husband. He cares about your children more than you can ever think about care. He cares. So he said, if you care, cast those cares on me for I care for you. And some of us are weighing ourselves down, carrying things that you should not be carrying. Roll those things over to Jesus. Cast those cares upon him. You weren't meant to carry all that stuff. You were meant to carry his presence. Come on. We are carriers of presence. We shouldn't be loaded down with problems. I promise you, if you cast them on him, that's where they belong. Put it in the hands that can do something about it. Say, I got to keep my head. And he said, I want you to pray with thanksgiving. Number two, are you ready? No, I'm not done with that one. Because he said, when you pray in Philippians, everything by prayer with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Here it is. And the peace of God, that's what I wanted to get which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. That's how you're going to keep your head. The peace of God is going to guard your head, your heart and your mind, it said. That word guard is garrison. It's a military term. It's like a fortress or a wall that is put up to protect an invasion. The God kind of peace. See, when I pray and I supplicate with thanksgiving, he says a transaction takes place. He said, I give you, you give me your problems, I'll give you my peace. And he said, it becomes a garrison. It gets around my head and my heart and it protects from illegal invasions of negativity and doubt and unbelief. It's the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I want to tell somebody, you can have peace. Peace is for the believer, not anxiety. We as believers are not supposed to be written with anxiety and worry and fear. The devil is a lie. Our, the Bible said we ought to have peace. We can have the peace of mind and peace of heart. The peace of God. The God kind of peace is what the scripture said. It's a peace that can't be explained. When all hell is breaking loose and you're still smiling. When you don't know where the rent is coming from, but you're still smiling. You've been praying for years, but children are still acting crazy, but you're still smiling. When you get a bad doctor's report and you don't, you still smile and say, God is still good. It's a peace that bypasses everything in your mind. The greatest picture I could give it to you is, is in Mark chapter 4. Remember when Jesus was sleeping the boat? He was asleep during a storm. The Savior was asleep during the storm, and the disciples were acting a fool. And the Bible said they went down and they were shaking it. Do you care not that we perish? Do you not care? Look at that, cares. There it is. Do you not care? 
See, I never wonder, and, and I get it maybe in their humanity, but, but I say that now, but I start thinking, I was like, wait a minute. If Jesus is in this boat, now, I've already seen this joker walk on water. If he's in my boat, how can this boat go down if he's in my boat? If he's sleeping without being tossed to and fro, it listen, if it ain't going to drown him, it ain't going to drown me because I'm right here by him. Some of y'all have forgot that Jesus is in your boat. You forgot who's with you. You forgot who's on your side. You forgot the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You forgot that God Almighty in flesh is up in your boat. Watch this. He was asleep, the scripture said. I love this, Pastor Ben. It, it, this little stuff jumps out to you. Is he was asleep in the stern. Why did they put it in there? The stern is where the boat was controlled. He said, I'm asleep, but I'm still in control. Good God. He was, he was on the stern asleep, saying to the disciples, I'm in your boat. I'm sleeping on the stern. You ought to know that I'm still in control, even though the storm is raging. I'm giving you a picture of the peace of God. The peace says I can rest in the middle of all hell is breaking out because I know my God is still in control. In this world, you will have tribulation, but in me, in me you will have peace keep your head keep your heart number two keep your heart Jesus said in John 14 let not your heart be troubled Psalms 27 listen to what David said Psalms 27 and 13 they can come to the music. Here we are. Psalms 27, 13. Listen to what David, who, who understands waiting. I would have lost heart. Keep your heart. I would have lost heart unless I had. Listen to the words. That I would. I, I, that I, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. How did David keep his heart? How, how did he guard his heart from not, from not going crazy? No, did you hear what he said? I would have lost heart. Well, why didn't you? Here's the key. Unless I believe to see. He didn't say unless I see to believe. Some of us will only believe if we see. But David said, uh-uh. The way I'm not going to lose heart, I'm going to believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. His goodness is going to show up in a matter of time. 
His goodness. Ah, no, no. Like Pastor Ben said, we're not waiting to heaven. His goodness is going to show up in a matter of time. I'm believing to see my family turned around. I'm ble- I don't have to see it to believe it. I'm going to believe it because God said it. And because he said it, I'm going to believe to see. I may not see it with my natural eyes, but I got a vision for it in my spirit. And because I'm going to believe to see the goodness of the Lord. He's good. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. I'm going to tell you why you're going to see it. (laughs) No wonder David said, I walk through the shadow of the valley. I will fear no evil. But you know how he ended that song? This is why he could say, I believe the seed of goodness. Because you know why? He said, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. David said, I can't help but to see his goodness because his goodness is always following you. His goodness is always following you. His goodness is always following me. He said, that's why I can believe to see because it's always following me. my heart and I'm going to end on this the Bible says this about this little animal I think they got a picture and it said this it says this in Proverbs do they got it up there? there he is Proverbs 26 says this the rock badgers are a feeble folk but they make their homes in the crags of the rock. Sicily, South African little dude there. It said they're weak and feeble, but they make their their hiding place or they, they, they make their dwelling place in the rocks. And when you see, it says they're weak. It speaks of, watch this, their weakness, but it also speaks of their wisdom. They're weak, but they're wise. Because what this little guy does, that when hardship and struggle and things come against him, he knows in and of myself, I don't have the ability to fight off the predators. I don't have the ability to push back things that are coming against me in my own strength. Because it told you he's weak and feeble in and of himself. But wisdom kicks in. He says, I can't do it in my own strength and ability. I can't do it by my power nor my might. But wisdom kicks in and say, get in the rock. Get in the rock. He knows if I can just get to the rock, if I can get inside the rock, the rock will protect me. The rock will keep me. You'll get it in a minute. The rock will, will, will surround me with protection. I can find strength in the rock. Well, let me just give you this scripture. The Bible said when my heart is overwhelmed, I will look to the rock that is higher than I am. Does anybody know this evening that you got a rock that is higher than you are? When your heart is overwhelmed, get to the rock. When you feel like giving up, get to the rock. When you feel like you can't make it, 
can get to the rock. You may be weak, you may be feeble, but I want to tell you the rock. Jesus Christ is here this evening. And if your heart feels overwhelmed, get to the rock. Stand to your feet. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.